0: So, you've heard, I'm sure, a couple of Wild Rye podcasts where we talk to founders and innovators in the outdoor industry and other fields, but today we want to talk a little bit about how the sausage gets made at Wild Rye and what it's really like to run a young business. So today, Cassie and I are going to tackle a topic close to our hearts, holding down two jobs while trying to get something off the ground. Um, and we wanted to kind of bring everybody in on this conversation and share with you guys what it's like for us, why we choose to kind of keep working a day job while we're working on wild rye and, um, why we think it's worth the hustle. So, Hey, Cassie. Hi, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. So I should also say Cassie's in sun Valley. I'm in Tahoe. So we're recording this remotely. Um, You might hear a few dings, a few dogs in the background. Don't mind that. Uh, So I kind of want to talk a little bit about what it's like to hold down two jobs. So Cassie, I have to ask you, I'm sure this is something you think about a lot.
1: How many hours are you working a week right now? Oh boy. Um, That's a really good question. I couldn't give you a number and I would have to say it changes um, from week to week, month to month. Um, But I feel like I work pretty much 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or at least I'm on call and available to some degree. You know, In my situation, I'm running two businesses. So if I'm not working on Wild Rye, I'm invoicing clients for White Cloud on the weekends or planning or brainstorming, trying to keep up on what's going on out there, um, so that we can, yeah, stay on top of things for our clients. Um, and then obviously wild rye is full on, um, day after day. (laughs) So it just, so often I wind up waking up Saturday mornings and pulling out my computer and my boyfriend's like, let's go do something. And I'm so deep into the work cave that it's hard to pull away. So
0: yeah, it's really crazy, especially when you run your own business, how much the walls between personal life and personal space and professional life and professional space begin to break down. I know I know what you mean about not really counting the hours, but just knowing that there's not really a weekend anymore. You don't kind of go home on Friday and think, woohoo, it's the weekend party. I'm just going to hang out and ski with friends and drink beer at the chamois. Instead, you know, you think, okay, it's the weekend. I can catch up on everything I didn't get done during the week, which isn't always super healthy. So why don't you tell all of our listeners uh, what your second job is uh, and how it gives you time also to run a business?
1: Uh, My second job is a marketing and PR consulting business called White Cloud Communication, Um, and we specialize in marketing and PR in the outdoor, active lifestyle, adventure travel spaces, um, and work with brands all over the country, mix of national and global brands. And um, yeah, Wild Rye actually fits in pretty seamlessly, especially on the PR front, um, because uh, we're constantly talking with journalists and creating story ideas and wild rye pops up pretty organically within that. And then obviously, there's lots of other pieces of wild rye that are outside of the white cloud umbrella.
0: Yeah. And of course, I mean, for you, in some ways, it's great because wild rye and white cloud are really industry adjacent. I know my kind of second job is teaching art history um, as an adjunct professor. And so, for me it's such a huge kind of brain switch from going to working on a product line to teaching students about gothic architecture. <laughs> so it's sometimes a little bit of a um a bit of a mind fuck to move from one to the other, but it at least kind of gives me, I know, a lot of extra time and like it allows me to block my time out in ways that are most productive for the business so I can work you know, pretty much like a nine to five day on wild rye, and then make sure my teaching gets done in the early mornings and the evenings and on the weekends. Uh, What do you think the hardest part about having two jobs is these days?
1: What I've struggled with is just sort of defining the boundaries. And I don't think that there really are boundaries. And that's one of the things that I've come to grips with is that they're somewhat mixed together. The other tricky thing is about especially White Cloud versus Wild Rye is White Cloud is another job as a whole. But then within that, we have, you know, eight, ten plus clients. So there's like eight to ten other jobs in there. So it's just a matter of balancing and switching and prioritizing and, um, yeah, getting things done and being able to not only get things done, but then clear headspace to look forward, um, both in white cloud planning and in wild ride planning, because so much of what we need to be doing is forward thinking rather than just living in the moment. And that's just, it's just really hard to clear that brain space when you have so many tasks on a daily basis that just need to get done right then.
0: How do you feel about, we get, we've been told in the past, um, And it's something you hear all the time on programs like Shark Tank or any of these new kind of entrepreneurial medium articles or trending things on LinkedIn that, you know, as a founder, your most important thing to do is to quit your job and jump in feet first into the project. Why do you think we continue to work two jobs and run Wild Rye at the same time or like just have two jobs?
1: Well, I think one of the biggest thing is, A, we want to be financially independent for Wild Rye. Um, we're not in a position to pay ourselves a salary that allows us to pay our mortgages and live our lifestyles. But a big part of that has to do with the fact that we really want Wild Rye to be an evergreen company. And we don't want to bring in investors necessarily that um, have you know growth goals that are accelerating ahead of what we want to be growing at and we want to have control over product i mean our number one priority is creating you know design for beautiful performance driven apparel for women and as soon as you get investors on the table it's a whole different you know set of questions to answer to and ideas to answer to and right now katie and i are completely aligned on how we want to grow wild rye and um that's you know, that's a luxury when it comes to growing a small business. So, um, I think that's one of the biggest reasons I keep doing it, but, but also there's a synergy, um, for white cloud. I have been able to create opportunities for wild rye that we wouldn't have as a small company with, you know, next to zero marketing budget next to zero read zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that, outdoor retailer talking to journalists and I'm at other media events and wild ride oftentimes gets invited to be along for the ride, um, without having to spend a bunch of money, which has been super valuable for us and, you know, doesn't take away from other clients. So it's just, it's just been the synergies actually worked out really beautifully on my end, um, for two jobs, but I mean, it really comes down to finances.
0: Yeah. And I think, too, it does come down to finances. And I think the other reason also is that as women, it's really important to be financially stable and independent. I mean, I always think of Virginia Woolf's book, A Room of One's Own, and how she says, like, the most important thing is that a woman can afford a room of one's own. And I think that, you know, when you're starting a young business, it's so financially insecure, it's so taxing to your finances, your personal finances, everything. And I just think that having the ability to continue to pay your bills, especially as young women, is incredibly important to us. Um, I know it is to me. Obviously, you know, Cassie and I, we both have mortgages, which is in and of itself a kind of luxury. But, um, you know, I think it's really important that you find something that can offer you stability. And I think Both of us are lucky that our jobs are also flexible enough and that we're enough of our own bosses within our other jobs that we can still run a business as well as, you know, earn a salary. Um, And I think that that's a huge part of it, too, is so often when you're told to kind of quit your job and jump in feet first, you know, people are working these incredibly intensive 60 hour a week, like eight to seven o'clock jobs. And, you know, I think for us, we have more flexibility because we're basically our, our own bosses in both cases, which you know, like we said, means that you're always working, (laughs) which isn't the best for your mental health, your dog, your partner, your family, your waistline, Um, but is, I think, gives us the kind of flexibility that's super helpful.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree.
0: I mean, why do you think we do it? Why do you think we're still committed to having two jobs or just like the amount of hustle it takes on a day-to-day basis I mean it's enough work to teach a full course load like I do I mean I teach four classes a semester you run a fully functioning business with some really huge clients and you know we could just do that but instead we add on top of that an entire other
1: job I don't for me it has a lot to do with loving the people that I work with um You know, I I have some awesome people on my team at White Cloud who I absolutely love. And then we have just amazing clients that inspire me on on the daily. Um, It's not all glamorous at all. I mean, if I could hire someone to do all my invoicing and all of the bookkeeping and behind the scenes stuff, I 100% would um, because that is a pain. But I love it for the most part. <laughs> um, I also just feel like I am one of those people that needs to continually learn. And I learn a lot through White Cloud. I've learned a lot, you know, growing that business that I've been able to apply to Wild Rye. And there's still so much to learn. Um, I've gone through lots of bumps in the road, um, which have turned out to be hard, but very valuable and um, broadens my perspective. I
0: think it, I think the other reason I know I do it is that, A, it's easy sometimes I feel like to look at Wild Rye and think it's a large fun- functioning organization. And in fact, we get so many inquiries from people who basically assume that we're like already the size of, of a five-year-old business. Wildry is approximately one year and six months old. So it's still fairly young in terms of running, in terms of businesses in general. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons you do it is that you have to kind of keep at building a life for yourself while you're running the business. You know, I mean, right now it's still young and we're still growing it. And, you know, probably, probably we'll get to the point where, you know, we want to do that full time and it can pay us. But for right now, it's just not there. I mean, I also know that I really enjoy, uh, although it's a bit of a disconnect going from teaching to Working on a business, I actually enjoy the kind of intellectual stimulation that comes from having both tasks on a day to day basis. To go from kind of teaching about the growth of humanism during the Renaissance to talking about, you know what our supply orders are going to look like with our manufacturers and how we're going to get our cut tickets done. And, you know, it's two completely different sets of skills. And I think it's nice to develop those two. I mean, cause it's really stimulating. I feel like so often, you know, people start businesses because they hate going to their job every day. Um, but I actually really enjoy going to both of my jobs every day. And I think that that's the
1: best scenario. 100%. I also just think that having, you know, Wild Rye being so small and so young, like you said, it's easy to get caught up in the minutia of things. But having this second job or having this, I guess they were both our first jobs, really, but um, <laughs> it keeps uh, it keeps our worlds bigger. I mean, it allows us to see a bigger picture um, and step back and gain some perspective that I think adds a lot to Wild Rye. Um, You know, whether it's marketing tactics or design elements or, you know, best practices or new people that we meet um, that all plays into growing this, you know, this special brand of ours. I
0: think you also become incredibly time efficient. I mean, when you have so much to do every day, and I think it's important to remember that on top of work, you have like just everyday stuff. You have to feed yourself, you have to take the dog for a walk, you have to try to get some exercise. You know, you need to talk to your family, you need to run to the bank and make deposits. I mean, all of the everyday stuff still needs to get done, and so you become just so time efficient. I find, you know, I'll bang out a to-do list Between like 5 a.m. and 10 a.m. and be pretty much good to go for the rest of the day until like 2 p.m. when I kind of come back to a bunch of emails. But I think you just get so good at really buckling down and kind of getting the gears grinding right away in the morning when you're under the stress of kind of two obligation, two sets of obligations and also, you know, just everyday shit because there's a lot of stuff
1: to do every day.
0: I mean, there's a lot. Yeah, we have to feed
1: ourselves. (laughs) Oh, that might be the hardest part of my day. I mean, I really love my Annie's mac and cheese these days because it's (laughs) like my favorite food and it's really easy. But uh, yeah, and let's just clarify that Katie gets up at five in the morning. Cassie does not. (laughs) get up at five in the morning. I'm more of an 8 a.m.
0: Er. <laughs> it- I know, but you're up way later than I am. I mean, you text me at like 9 p.m. Pacific time, which is 10 p.m. your time, and I'm already asleep.
1: <laughs> we have very different schedules. <laughs> in terms-
0: yeah, I'm a morning person. I find that helps me, but I'm I'm pretty in- incapable of working after 6 p.m., I feel like, for just that reason. Um. Speaking of feeding ourselves, Annie's mac and cheese and other other things, how do you find balance? I mean, do you think you find it and what does it look like you think on a day-to-day basis?
1: Um, yeah, oh man. Um I think I have figured out balance. It's taken me a while, especially when I first started White Cloud. Um I found myself not exercising because I was so afraid to tear myself away from my computer because I might miss something or be slow to respond. And I feel like really just in the last six months, I've made taking care of myself a priority and, you know, it wasn't necessarily a New Year's resolution, but it was a a new school year resolution, if you will, Um, that I just want to take better care of myself. And that really comes down to exercise. I'm more efficient when I exercise. I'm happier when I exercise. I'm just a better human being when I exercise and I realize that and that's become a huge priority. And even if it means that my work day doesn't start until 1030 in the morning, because I have a a 9am workout class or whatever. And then, you know, in the rest of my life, um, my boyfriend's a teacher. So we have evenings and weekends, and that's kind of it. So I try to carve out time to, you know, ski one day with him on the weekends or spend time with friends in the evenings. Um, But, you know, doesn't all happen. You can't do it all.
0: Do you get stressed out? So, I mean, Cassie and I are both in our early 30s and neither one of us have kids yet. And do you ever get stressed out thinking about like getting married and adding kids to the mix and what that would look like? Because this is a constant source of stress for me.
1: It's a hundred percent stress. And let's just say, uh, definitely not in my early thirties. I'm mid officially mid thirties. Okay. All right. Fine. (laughs) We're admitting it. We're in our mid (laughs) thirties, but whatever. (laughs) But, uh, which means that the notion of my ovaries having, um, shriveling up and dying is definitely prominent, Mm -hmm. which they're doing right now as we record this. Yep, I'm basically wasting precious moments. Yep, um, just <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> my mom would agree. <laughs> <laughs> my mom would too. Um, but yeah, that is a constant, like, source of strife for me, if you will. I know I want a family, and I know I want to be married, and you know, part of that for me comes with slowing down other parts of my life and maybe not going for epic backcountry adventures every weekend like I'm accustomed to and not traveling for fun as much and spent not doing as many weekend trips. But um, it's definitely a priority. And yeah, the stress is 100% there um, about how that works, how that looks, how if I need to travel to outdoor retailer or to some offsite work event. How do I manage that? How do we manage that? But, you know, everything that I, all of my friends have said, you just figure it out. It works some way, somehow. I know,
0: but it's still incredibly scary, I think, because when you think about how much I mean, when you think about how much we work and what we're talking about in terms of just a day-to-day style of obligations, just, you know, the fact that we get to the weekend and we just kind of keep working (laughs) through the weekend, it does kind of make you pause. And I feel like, you know, especially this is something that a lot of female founders struggle with, not just having two jobs, a lot of them have just one. But then, you know, what happens when it is time to have kids and, you know, What does that look like? And how does it affect the business? And, you know, where do you find the help? I've talked to when I talked to Jen Hannon on this podcast, she mentioned that right when she launched Machines for Freedom, she'd been going through like a pretty, a pretty bad divorce and that the divorce ended up taking so much time away from the business. And I think that you sometimes forget how much just general personal life events can impact your work schedule and what that looks like and what you're able to do just, I mean, on a day-to-day basis, but also like what you're able to manage emotionally.
1: Completely. Well, and I think in today's world, things are shifting. Um, You know, I'm fortunate that my significant other is very much so a homebody. He loves to get out and do activities, but he's (laughs) on You know, he's a super, super helpful around the house. Like, you will not see me taking out a vacuum. Mike, on the other hand, pretty much every night, he's vacuuming. So let's just say the division of labor has uh, shifted from what traditional households looked like, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. So, you know, the shift responsibilities like cooking, cleaning, laundry, dog care someday child care.
0: I know it's always my dream for, my, for Andy that he someday gets to be a stay-at-home dog dad.
1: <laughs> we have had the same conversation.
0: <laughs> like you could be the stay-at-home dog dad and I could work all the time. It'd be fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we both live in mountain towns too. You're in Sun Valley. I'm in Tahoe. And I think in mountain towns, finding one good job is pretty hard. I think Um, Amanda Goad told me that when she first moved to Durango before she started Bold Brew that uh, she had several jobs and it was called the Durango Tango, which I thought was such a great, like catchy nickname for having multiple jobs in a mountain town. But it's something so many people in towns like ours deal with. And how do you think the economic realities of living in a town like this have shaped your approach to work and your approach to um, starting a business?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, so my path is a little bit strange. Um, I lived in Sun Valley on and off as a, as a kid and lived there summers in college and tried so hard to convince my parents that it was a good idea for me to move back to Sun Valley right after college. And they gave me some just really wise advice, I think. Um, they basically said they would fully support a move back to um, the mountains, if I had one year of quote unquote, real work experience under my belt. And of course, one year turned into seven or eight and, um, in, you know, San Francisco and Denver doing the big city grind and ultimately moved back to the mountain w- with a full blown career, um, as a global communications manager for uh, winter, you know, uh, Smith optics here in Sun Valley. And so I was kind of forced into what I'm doing now, Um, not to say that I have any gripes about it today at all, but when Smith relocated from Sun Valley to Portland, I had to make the difficult decision, at least it was very difficult at the time, whether to, you know, continue my career and move to Portland and give up this lifestyle that I'd worked so so hard to get back to, or um, forge my own path. And I think a lot of the most successful people in Mountain Towns, people that have figured out ways to make it work are self-employed, um, in various ways. I mean, obviously you find a ton of realtors Mm -hmm. in, uh, mountain towns and that's a different form of self-employment, um, or people who are innovating and creating opportunities for themselves. And I think that, you know, that's kind of the way to do it in the mountains. Um, I also just think the population in mountain towns, I mean, people are so passionate about being here. They'll do whatever it takes to make it work to live here. And I mean, I know that that's how I felt. Everything I do is so that I can live in Sun Valley, and mountain bike, and ski, and enjoy my lifestyle.
0: Do you ever feel? Do you ever feel like with the the amount of work that you do in a mountain town that it's hard to get out and still enjoy the lifestyle and the activities that you move to Sun Valley for in the first place?
1: Um, well, so the one thing I would say is that if I were doing this in a city, I think I would be really unhappy because it would take, you know, an hour, <laughs> an hour plus to go skiing or, you know, of getting in the car or like loading up my bike to, you know, drive for however many hours just to get to a bike trail. I mean, I can, I'm not saying I always do it, but I can drive my bike out my back door, go for a quick 45 minute to an hour long ride and feel like I had a good day. Um, you know, and so it's all in putting it in perspective. And I feel like when I put it in perspective of the alternative, I feel much better about, you know, my frequency of enjoying my lifestyle. Um, whereas if I start to compare it to, you know, people who work in restaurants at night and play all day, it's a totally, totally different perspective. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think just stepping outside and walking the dog, you're breathing in fresh mountain air, and that's part of that lifestyle that you don't get. And I wouldn't give that up for the world. Um, how do, I mean, how do you feel, Katie? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting – I sometimes struggle with this
0: because my significant other is like a classic ski bum, bartender, skis every day, bartends in the evening. Um, and a lot of my friends up here have jobs that – Enable them or promote them or were specifically designed so that they could recreate all day. Mm. And I do feel like with the rise of social media, I'm not personally, as you know, a very big social media person for myself, but it's sometimes really hard to see that some people are out enjoying these like amazing, epic bike rides and, you know, Mm. people are biking around the lake midweek, which is the only time to do it. Or, you know, someone's kind of like going all the way back into desolation to ski uh, dicks and you feel, I mean, there's no way around it. You feel bummed because you think, I'm here, you know, like you, I spent a lot of time in the Bay Area before I moved up here. I worked for Specialized um, in Morgan Hill, and I brought my job with me to Tahoe. But I mean, I put in like the majority of my professional career in in a big city. And, you know, one of the reasons I moved up here was just the Bay Area had changed so dramatically from when I was younger, and the drive to Tahoe had become so unbearable. Mm -hmm. So- I mean, sometimes I do struggle with this feeling of this incredible longing or loss, but the truth is that I think I also really love to work. That's just the honest truth. I mean, I love to go out and ride my bike, and yeah, I'm probably not going to be in the office at 9 a.m. on a powder day, but I'll be in the office by noon on a powder day, and I... I'm happy to postpone a big ride so that I can get things done. And I think it's something – it is something in a mountain town where you're right. The whole pace of life makes your stress of work easier. So my commute is literally like four miles. Um, Driving to the grocery store takes no time except on the weekends um, there's traffic. But generally speaking, we don't have commute traffic everything's very easy to manage from a day-to-day life standpoint and I think that that like you said just going out to walk the dog I feel like that can sometimes be all you need in a day Mm -hmm. Um, I know that's not for everybody I know plenty of people in Tahoe who the thought of doing what we do having two jobs and working all the time and having to spend time you know sifting through, you know, like sifting through QuickBooks or going over, you know, your taxes or sorry, it's almost tax season. That's why that's at the top of my (laughs) mind. But like, you know, I I mean, even just doing product assortment lines or struggling with Adobe Illustrator, I know that a lot of people would just feel like that was the worst thing they could do with their day here. And I think sometimes I have to remind myself that I'm not one of those people that I actually, because sometimes, you know, I can't help it. I love, I love my significant other so much. But sometimes, even when the skiing is not good and I've worked all day and he comes home from skiing, I'm I'm a little resentful. Because, (laughs) you know, you can't you just can't help it. It's in there, it's in the DNA, it's why you live here. But, you know, most of the time I'm pretty good at just reminding myself that I'm, you know, I'm here for more complex reasons than that. And actually, I think if I, if I did that, if I just skied every day, I would, I would probably ultimately find that I needed something more
1: Mm
0: -hmm. challenging, more fulfilling, more, you know, and I think a lot of people find it that they find it challenging and fulfilling. And that's why they do it every day. And I, I think I need something else too.
1: I completely agree with that. And I also think having come from like corporate environment careers, like we're actually relaxing a little bit now. I mean, I worked for a large marketing agency, working for Visa. I worked in investment banking for a while. And so this is like such a toned down version. I'm passionate about what I do. We both are. Um, we also come from like the extreme, super structured work environment to a little tax. And granted, we may work more or you know, but we have the flexibility to work weird hours. Whereas a lot of people who try to transition, I mean, I've found this a lot just in, you know, talking to people who, you know, want a professional career, want to move from service industry into, um, a day job. They don't realize that day jobs actually take, you know, five days a week and no, you're not skiing every day. Um, and so I think transitioning is, you know, coming from where we were versus coming from being in the service staff. It's just like we've actually. Yeah. yeah, We're still
0: skiing. We're still skiing more than we did when we lived in San Francisco. (laughs) And we're not spending an hour looking for parking. So there's that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a huge part of it, too, because I just I also think that You know, I'm sure you feel this way about Sun Valley, but I look at a place like Tahoe and Tahoe is undergoing a ton of like major resort developments, huge real estate developments, just kind of like a huge building boom up here. And those kinds of economies are great short-term stimulants, but they don't offer long-term, full-time, benefited, sustainable jobs for people. And I think at the end of the day, White Cloud, Wild Rye, companies that are small, that are growing, that are in industries, that are environmentally really aware, I think offer better long-term solutions for employment in mountain towns too. I mean, when I brought my job with me from Specialized up to Tahoe, I knew – I knew I would need like a, a better long-term solution. And I knew that I wanted to start Wild Rye and kind of go out on my own. And I think in some ways, mountain towns are the perfect place to start something too, because they're the softest landings in the world. I mean, it's such an easy place to live compared to the Bay Area. It's so affordable. I know people complain endlessly about how expensive Tahoe is, but I feel like after having grown up in the Bay, I feel like Tahoe's really affordable and there's nothing to spend your money on. It's not like you're going shopping. There is no shopping in Tahoe. You just go to the grocery store. Like that's the extent of your shopping here. Um, which I feel like saves a lot of money, but I think that having jobs that are like creating companies that also add to the sustainable economy of a mountain town is something that's really important to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's a lot of, you know, white cloud for me. I mean, losing Sun Valley. Well, let me back up. Um, I actually sat through this branding meeting with visit Sun Valley a couple weeks ago, and it was so interesting because everyone had such different priorities. But one of the things that definitely came up is like finding ways to create sustainable businesses in this Valley, um, you know, to support a youthful, um, population a more youthful population um it's no secret that sun valley is historically known for being you know (laughs) the bulk of the population being between like 60 and 90 years old and they're amazing ripping people but um you know as everyone gets older like there's the need to backfill our population and you know one of the reasons that that you know, mountain towns survive or not, or thrive or not on something besides hospitality is having, um, having these sustainable businesses. And it's, I know that Katie and I both agree that, you know, this is a way for us to give back to our communities is growing small businesses in our communities and creating professional opportunities for a younger generation. And while we're not hundred percent there yet, that's the ultimate goal
0: yeah. And I also think there's I what I really like about being in a mountain town and this kind of gets us back to what it's like to kind of hold down two jobs. Um, what I like about being in a mountain town is that everybody around you has worked really hard to get here one way or the other. For the most part, people don't just kind of materialize in mountain towns unless unless you've grown up here and you've kind of decided to stay and, you know, you've You're in a family business, let's say, or it's something that you've always wanted. I mean, usually people work really hard to get to these places. I know in Tahoe, the bulk of like everyone you meet in Tahoe is from the East Coast. And I think that, you know, when you're in a community where everybody's willing to do whatever it takes to make a life there, working two jobs just doesn't seem that crazy because you know, the guy like sending the fingers works three jobs and then like walks dogs occasionally on the weekends. And so at the end of the day, although you kind of, you feel very taxed and you feel like you're killing yourself to kind of make a go of it. It's just the reality of towns like these. And I think there's something about that that really brings people together and like knits a community together. Um, that I, I found to be like really magical actually.
1: I couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah. Um, do we have anything else we want to add to this conversation? I mean, how do you be a good dog mom when you're always so busy?
1: I have to say Kirby has a pretty darn good life, but I definitely have to adjust my thinking. Like I've, had to in the summer think about going for a hike or a run instead of going for a mountain bike ride at lunch so that I can get my dog out. Um, she just looks at me so sad and it breaks my heart, uh, to choose going for a bike ride some days over getting her out and getting her exercise. And, you know, same goes for Nordic skiing in the winter as opposed to going to the gym or going skiing on the mountain. So, um, yeah, but Kirby does go to the office with me every day and uh, she's currently sitting on the couch on top of my feet, snuggling. So I'd have to say she does okay. <laughs> I know. We work so hard so our dogs can have better lives. <laughs> so, true. so I think I sent you a picture of the, the dish towel a friend gave me that said just that on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> no, it's true. And I mean, I think too, at the end of the day, One of the things I found, um, and I'm sure I think Janine mentioned this when I talked to her about becoming a mom, but I think one of the things you realize, too, is that as you take on more and more, as you take on more obligations, as you take on, like, more work, as you just take on more projects, you find a way to find the minutes for those in every day. So although initially you are incredibly overwhelmed by the amount of work, I mean – now looking back, I I can't even imagine the things that I would be overwhelmed by when we first started Wild Rye. And today, you know, you just power through them. So I think, I don't know, I think the other thing that I've really learned about this process and about kind of being maxed out all the time is that you just, you just adapt, you know, I
1: think you just, I mean, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, that, and you learn to work smarter rather than harder too. I mean, prioritization, like when we first started, we thought we needed to be doing absolutely everything. And very quickly, we learned that we couldn't do everything. So learning to (laughs) plan accordingly and focus on the things that were most important to grow our business or, you know, function on a day to day basis.
0: Do you, do you have any hard and fast must haves or must do's in your day? Like things that you won't negotiate with things that a hundred percent you stop work for?
1: Coffee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that doesn't count because
1: oh. you can do that while you're, you can like drink that while you're working. Right uh, uh, well, like I said, I mean, about six months ago, cause I felt like I let my fitness and, you know, sort of just general health go to shit there for a while. So uh, about six months ago, I, found a couple of classes that I absolutely love and I will rearrange all of my meetings in order to make sure that I can attend those. Um, and so those are things that I've started just stopping my day for, um, whatever I'm doing. I know I have my, my power mill class at noon on Thursdays. And so at 1145, I'm out the door headed to my class to get exercise. Um, and Yeah, I mean, other than that, I think it depends on my needs on any given day. I mean, there are other things that I'll stop for from time to time, like twice a year I'll get my hair done or something. But Yeah, and then there are definitely days where at 5 o'clock, a glass of wine with some friends just is a (laughs) non-negotiable.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree. I think for me, maybe like one or two things would just be look, if the skiing is good. Yeah. Powder day. Every everything gets rescheduled to accommodate that. It's just it's not worth it at the end of the day for me. I'll be so miserable if I can't get out and go skiing. And and in the summer, it's usually the the same. I try to make sure I get like a long ride in one day a week at least. Um, I think I'm sure we're all guilty of doing the same thing, which is that as soon as you are waiting in a line, you're checking your email. And as soon as you kind of like get to a stop, when you're out on your bike, you check your email just to make sure nothing's going to shit. And I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, that level of connectivity, it, it can be really damaging, but it can also be such a savior when you're starting a small business and being responsive is really important. Um, yeah. And I mean, my dog gets out like It's currently pouring rain in Tahoe. My dog gets walked like 365 days a year, and he's going to go for a walk this afternoon (laughs) with me in the pouring rain. (laughs) So I think that's probably the only thing in my day that
1: 100% happens, barring extreme injury or illness. The dog and the skiing, I'd have to second those, although this year skiing hasn't been great, so it hasn't been top of mind for me. Uh, Or at least it hasn't been it hasn't been enough to like, you know, put my day on hold. Whereas last year, it put my day on hold all the time. The dog, on the other hand, she makes it known that she needs attention when she needs attention. So uh, she stops my day.
0: <laughs> I mean, so we've talked so much about what it's like to balance having two jobs, just living life. What we feel like those anticipated challenges in the future are going to be if we have a family around, you know, the growth of the brand, everything. I mean, at the end of the day, Cassie, why do you think we do
1: it? Um, frankly, it's because we love what we we're doing at Wild Right. We're so passionate about it. Um, you know, not to sa- sound contrived, but um, we we are users, like we are making product that we ourselves want. We are making product that we were missing, um, previous to wild rye. And we're so passionate about that. And we love creating beautiful and super performance driven apparel for women that allow us to get out and be on our bikes and be on skis and do all the things that we love while feeling, you know, feminine and empowered and strong. And, you know, and beyond just the product, it's just, really amazing having a voice for um, all of these amazing women who get outside and love to be outside recreating and enjoying the fresh air.
0: I just think for the longest time, the outdoor industry didn't pay any attention to women and they didn't take us seriously. And I think that when what you really want out of a product just isn't happening no matter how much you ask for it. And you know, we were talking before the podcast about the outside, uh, the outside magazine fo- Facebook post where they basically asked like, what do you hate women? Like, what do you hate about your gear? And I mean, I think they ended up with something like almost a thousand comments that were just on and on and on about, you know, we hate like the colors, we hate the fit, we hate, basically we hate everything. Um, and you know, I, I think we're still trying to find, we're still working on our fit and we're still working on what's right. And I think for us, we're just also really interested in listening to women and what they really want and what they really need. And I think, you know, how many women does it take screaming, we're sick of pink for like Patagonia to offer something besides a raspberry color? I have to say, on a side note, I was doing a Patagonia repairs return earlier today and I went on their website to locate the product that I was returning. And I have it in black and I thought, oh, I wonder what other colors they have in case they're sold out of black and I have to pick another color. It was teal blue and raspberry or black. And I just, you know, when you look at something like that and you see this vociferous and very vocal and very angry response from women like, hey, can we get some different colors? And then, you know, the kind of core you know, like the core jacket that you need for outdoor, like the core jacket is only offered in teal, raspberry, and black. I mean, I feel like that's why we're doing it because no matter how many times you scream it, nothing's changing. And Uh, so I think you have to ultimately, what is it, be the change you want to see, right? I mean, I hate to sound, if if you know me, you know I'm like the least hippie, Mm -hmm. most type A person in the world. Like I'm never going to try to manifest anything. But um, (laughs) – No, seriously, that makes me crazy. I almost like have to walk out of yoga classes when they get too hippie. I'm going to edit that out. Um, but I mean, I think ultimately we have to change it for ourselves clearly. And I think Wild Rye is working hard mm-hmm. to produce products that women will love. And in the meantime, we're hopefully putting pressure on other brands to do the same.
1: Yep. I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, the color thing, as anyone who knows me knows that teal is about my favorite color, but frankly, you can't wear teal with everything. And (laughs) so having having beauty colors to complement those teal pieces is really important. You know, I was talking to Outside, actually, um, for their new Dawn Patrol uh, newsletter about, you know, how we choose our colors and how we think about fit. And you know, I think a lot of the bigger brands have have their reasons and their sales demands and whatnot. And, you know, it's so refreshing being in this place where we, Katie and myself, can make these decisions without having pressure from all these external um sources. And, you know, one of the things we talked about is, um, I talked to Ariel about on the phone was, you know, if you look to Fashion Week and I think a lot of outdoor brands kind of look to Fashion Week, but they also get criticism for looking at fashion, but frankly, women look at fashion, you know? It's it's an important part of a lot of our lives, and you don't see all pink and teal on the runway at New York Fashion Week, and so why should that be, you know, the color palette for the outdoor industry?